Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. I am excited. This is a really good day. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Um, I've been praying for this. Thank you, thank you so much um, for allowing me uh, to have time off as a pastor. Uh, I, I took the last few weeks off, um, and it's something that I've done uh, the last couple of years since I've been um, the lead pastor, main pastor here. Uh, when Dad was around a lot, I uh, didn't do it, but now that he's out helping other churches and stuff like that, it's something that I've decided to do. Um, you know, you guys know it's important to take a Sabbath, right? Well, if you don't know, it's important to take a Sabbath. Um, just turns out that I work on Sunday um, when I come up here and do all this, but uh, it was really good to take a couple weeks, and God really connected me to some I was like, Lord, I want you to use this time to, to connect me personally into what you want me to do. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time focusing on you guys when I take my sabbatical. Um, sorry, but it's kind of like when you're in an airplane, what they tell you is if, uh, if the mask pops down, what are you supposed to do? Put yours on first so then you can help somebody else. And so uh, it's, it's something I'm, I want to do. Um, I hear a lot of pastors talk about getting burnt out. I'm, I'm nowhere close to that, and I want to stay that way. And so uh, the Lord is good. He's blessed me. He's blessed me, like, with my family. He's blessed me in this church. This is, you guys, you don't realize this is such a great church. And you guys are a blessing to me. And um, I, I love you all. I'm really glad to be back. I missed you. I really got I made Jamie take a sabbatical one Wednesday and she said she spent the whole time sitting at home thinking about everything that was going on here. And I was like, well, you didn't really take a sabbatical that Wednesday, did you? Um, You're worried about this place the whole time. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today, if you didn't know it, this is our Vision Sunday. We did this about a year ago where, um, where we basically just talked about who are we as Forerunner House of Prayer what is the vision of this church? And can I, can I tell you something? And I almost did this today, but I'm not. But while I visited this church, one weekend I found out there was a lot of church services going on while I was gone. And I told my best friend, I was like, I'm going to all of them. And uh, he's like, why? I was like, because rare is the chance that I just get to sit and go to church. And uh, he's like, okay. So we went to his church, and uh, their pastor did this great illustration. He had a dartboard up. He had some guys come up and hold the dartboard. And uh, then he let somebody throw darts at the dartboard, which was nerve-wracking because, I mean, you could miss, right, and hit one of these guys. I was like, maybe I should try that illustration out here. But I hadn't practiced the dart throwing. I didn't trust any of you. Um, but then he actually called my best friend up to the stage blindfolded him and spun him around a few times and just said whenever you feel like it just go ahead and throw the dart at one point he was literally aimed out towards the crowd and if you don't know my friend Darren Latta he'll do anything he's told to do by a leader he is faithful and so he was like, and like no 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 don't 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 
And the point of it is, is, is this, is without vision, without looking at a target, we don't know where we're going, right? And, and as a church, sometimes we're like, okay, we're filled with the Spirit, we're, we're, we can move in the things of God, but my question is, move where? What are we aiming at? And some of us have all been aiming at different directions, but I believe as a congregation, because we're here this morning, we're part of a congregation uh, this morning, and as a congregation, I believe each congregation in this area is called to do something different in our community. I believe it with all my heart. Um, just so you know, in my mind, and I guess if it's in my mind, it's in our mind, sort of. Well, I guess not. That would be a cult. But, um, <laughs> but in my mind, like, like my job isn't to compete with the church down the street. My mind is do the thing that God has called us to do because guess what? The scripture says we're a body, all different parts. And the same way where it's in this church, each one of us have a different function in this church, this church has a different function than the church down the street. So that's my heart. So my goal then this morning is, okay, if we're part of the body of Christ as a church, as a congregation, what is our part? What is our vision? What are we supposed to be aiming for? And what if we all tried to aim at the same thing together? Wouldn't that make things just a little bit easier? Ever try to carry, some, carry something upstairs before? Ever try, and then ever have someone decide they're going to go in a different direction with you as you're trying to carry it together? It's not easy. And so this morning, um, um, we're going to figure out wh- which direction we're all carrying something. That went way better. Then the dream I had this morning just before I woke up, I dreamt that I opened the service this morning talking about potty training. <laughs> and I was like, I woke up, I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? Um, so anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 3. And this is, okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. This is exactly something I preached a year ago. Because guess what? The vision of our church hasn't changed. But what I realized is, from a year ago, I believe that if I sat down and asked most of you who have been with us the last year, what do you think the vision of the church is? I think most of you would get pretty close because you've hung out with us. But it'd be almost like if I asked you, do you know what the Declaration of Independence says? Unless you have it memorized, you're like, well, something about the king of England's kind of bad. And, you know, you could get close. But this morning I was like, man, Lord, I need to do this in a way that when we walk out of this place, this is something that all of us can remember and we can say and we can realize, wait a minute, this is exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it. And so we're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 3, this is what it says. It's Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He said, for I delivered to you as of first importance. And I want you to underline that in your Bible. First importance. Because this is the first importance, I believe, not just of our church, but I believe of any church that exists in, in, in the world today. He said, of first importance, what I also received. What's that? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 at one time. 
And it goes on to talk about this. Here's what's of first importance. And then if you skip down to verse 11, it says this. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. And can I tell you what's of first importance is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm pretty excited about this. Because like, guys, if we get nothing else done as a church, the first thing we have to do is declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God came down in human form, lived a sinless life, died for our sins on our behalf, and then rose from the dead. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's first importance. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the scripture tells us, they will be saved. And, and, and can, I, can I make this distinction? This is another sermon for another time, but I'll preach a lot of little sermons today. Um, that, that, that we are confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. Right? Jesus is Savior, and I believe a lot of people, a lot of Christian people like that. Jesus is Savior. We believe in the grace of God. We love that He is Savior. But also, Jesus isn't just Savior, but He is also Lord. And Romans tells us that you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means making Him master of your life. And that's the part some people back away from. Like, I'm all about the grace of God, but I don't want to do anything God says. What we're here as a church, the reason we exist is to proclaim, not just to the people who show up in this room, but to the people in our jobs, the people in our homes, the people in our community, that Jesus, Jesus is here. Jesus came. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Mark 1.15 tells us. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your mind, and believe the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus came. And this can completely change our lives. And how many of you this morning, and I, I, I'm temp I've been tempted, I, I almost did it. Maybe we'll have to do it another day because I already know I might struggle to not go three hours, sorry. Um, I'll do my best. But, but to get people up here and talk about the time they came to Christ. Like the time when they made Jesus they realized he was Savior and made him Lord of their life. Do you remember that day? Oh, come on. Do you remember that day when Jesus completely changed you? Like, what were you like before you knew Christ? How did you meet him? And what is your life like now that you're walking with the Lord? That is of first importance to this church. And I believe to any church to all the churches down the street that we're not competing with. I just want to make sure we say that again. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is, this is what's of first importance. It's the gospel of Christ. But turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 4. Because as I was looking at this, I was like, okay, that's of first importance. I was thinking, what do we do around there's a lot of things we do and should be doing as a church i'll say again there's a lot of things we do and should be doing as a church but what is some things that we already do we have weekly services and what's what's the point of our weekly services and in ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 it tells us that he gave 
some what to be apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. We're here on Sunday morning. One of the big reasons is to equip you, to build the body is what we're going to find out here in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself already. It says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look, God never intended for you to be partial anything. He wants to bring you up to maturity in the fullness of Christ. So, so what the scripture is telling me is, is, is the reason we have all these different things going on in a church. There's all these different giftings. There's all these, if we look at another place in scripture, it's like there's many parts but one body. Why? So that, so that the body can be unified. So we can have unity of faith. And when we get down to the end of this verse, it tells us why. So that we can have the knowledge of the Son of God. So we can know who God is. And then, and then let's think about this for a second. Let's think about worship just for a second. Because that's another thing we do on Sunday morning and even on Wednesday night. We, we worship. And it tells us in Romans chapter 12, 1 and in Hebrews chapter 13, 15. You can just write those down. That's Romans 12, 1 and Hebrews 13, 15. It says that, that when we worship, it says that we are bringing a sacrifice of praise. So when we when we come in and we, we sing and when we praise the Lord, it's us dying to ourselves, right? And, and how many of you have ever experienced that? When you walk into a worship service, you're like, man, I just do not feel like this today. And then you engage with what's going on, kind of having to die to yourself in the way you feel. And... and by the time we get to the last song, you're like, wait, that's the last song? Like, like your heart has been set free. Because what has happened? But you've died to yourself during that praise service, during that worship service. You've died to yourself. And this is what happens. In Psalm 100, of course, there's like so many psalms. When you're talking about worship, there's so many psalms. In Psalms 100, it's a song just celebrating who God is. I mean, isn't that what we did this morning? We came together, we started singing, celebrating who God is, what he's done for us. We're taking our eyes off of ourselves who are broken and messed up and, and all the junk, and we're putting our eyes on who he is, and we're drawing closer to who he is. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it tells us in verses 13 through 18, I'll just sum it up for you, it tells us that the presence of the Lord brings freedom and we are transformed when we see who he is i'll say it again the presence of the lord brings freedom and when we see god for who he really is we are transformed and what it tells us in ephesians or colossians it tells us we're transformed into his image we begin to look more like him and you guys are all right right but we all need to look a little more like him. Isn't, isn't that what Paul said? He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, I'm going to look a whole lot more like him, so you need to look a whole lot more like me. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the next part. So, so here's my thing. When, I, when I'm looking at all this, what am I trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, 
through the teaching of the word, through worship, prophecy, and revelation, we intimately experience the fullness of Christ's love. That would be my first point. Now, that's a lot of words. That would be the first vision. None of you would remember that. So I summarized. I was like, I need this in a way. I, I, want, I want my third grader to understand it. And some of you understood that. Like, I got that. I, I want a person who walks in off the street that's never been in church before to understand what our purpose is when we walk, on here, walk in here on a Sunday morning. And I want, I want you guys to understand it. So, so I summarize it like this, just two words. Know God. Know God. Isn't that the purpose of us being here this morning is so that we can know God? So that every time we decide to do something in a service, the question is, does that help us know God? Does that help us come into the fullness of Christ? Because, can, can I tell you guys something? Like, One thing that we're not going to be is a church who does events. And I'm not against events, right? We all have the things we have to do. But unless those events are helping us build the kingdom of God and bring people into a relationship with Christ, helping them know God, we're probably not going to do it. That's part of the vision of who we are, to know God. So as we make decisions, and, and as you guys, as you, because I'm going to push on some of you guys to take some leadership roles in the next few in my head, I said weeks, and then I said days, but I, it's really minutes, in the next few minutes. Some of you, I'm going to push to step into some leadership roles. And the question I want you to ask yourself as you step into those leadership roles is, does this help people know God? Does this help me know God? Because that's the purpose of our weekly services, is to know God, to experience the fullness of Christ and his love. So that's the first thing. There's going to be four things, four things. The first one is simply to know God. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is okay. And then whatever else, whatever other thought you have on your mind right now, did you forget to turn off the crock pot or turn on the crock pot? For me, it's turn on the crock pot. Now he's talking about food. What the? Second. Second, and uh, let's go to John chapter 8. We just Let's just go there. John chapter 8, and I'm sorry I'm all over the map today, all over the Bible, but this thing is really good. I, I want to I say, and well, I, this will help me launch my next part anyway. This thing is, this, this is not a thing. It's the Word of God. It's really good. I'm going to be honest, though. I don't like some of it. I might e even disagree with some of it. Guess what? Still word of God. John, what did I say? Chapter 8. John chapter 8. Let's go to um, verse 31. This is what I said. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we, we hear this verse a lot. You'll know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. And, and that, that's true, but there's this part before it that, that we've kind of neglected, that we've kind of like pushed off, that I don't ever hear. It says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To abide in the word of God. That, that's completely different than just attending a church service. Can, can I tell you this morning that you cannot abide in the word by only getting in the word when you show up in this building on Sunday morning. That is not abiding in the word. Then are you a disciple? If you're not abiding in the word, are you a disciple? According to Jesus, no. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing, and, and let's flip over a few pages to John chapter 15, since we're here already. I wasn't going to do John 15, but we're in the neighborhood. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he leaves alone. Nope. He prunes. Jesus, what? He prunes. Why? So that it can bear more fruit. And then he says this, already you are clean. Why are you clean? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What, what I see here is, is using Jesus as the example of what ministry should look like. Can I tell you what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't just preach to the masses, to the multitudes, feed them, and then go home. No. Jesus, he, he talked to the crowd, and then he pulled a group in a little closer, and he says, can I tell you what this means? Can I explain to you what I was talking about today? It's this, it's this small group thing that Jesus did. And I believe that that like that a small group is a function of a healthy church. I've been warned by pastors time and time again, you can't do small groups. That's a good way to have a church split. Because that small group will grow, and then those people get disgruntled, and then next thing you know, they're gone. Listen, we're going to do small groups. And if you grow and you dis get disgruntled, and you go do something else, start something else, I'm just going to call you a church plant. And you get credit for it. <laughs> because the word of God will still be preached. I, I hope. I hope. And so I am not scared at all, because this is what I saw Jesus doing. Jesus pulling people closer to him and saying, okay, this is what that meant. Or, hey, look at these lilies. Or see these birds? And just talking to these guys, just being close with them. And, and giving them the word, discipling them. And discipleship 
and you've heard me talk for the last year, and you're going to hear me talk it about it for the next year. Um, but discipleship, I believe, is something that, that many churches have walked away from, but many more are, are pouring effort into again, which makes me, it makes my heart happy. Because I can't, like, it, it's impossible for me to come up here on a Sunday morning and hope I preach a message that hits all of you. That's impossible. But if I can sit down with you and see what's going on with you and talk to you, I'll definitely know what's gone, going on with you. And then you know what we can do? We can get in the Word, and you can either say yes to the Word or no to the Word. My heart would be that you would say yes but if you say no, my heart might be broken because you said no to the word, but it's not me you're rejecting, it's the word. The word is the, at the center of this, and that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying that we have to abide in the word to be his disciple, and then the truth makes us free. How many know some people that need some freedom in their lives? How many of you need a little bit of freedom in your lives? Guess where you're going to find it? Abiding in the word, truly being his disciple. And Matthew 28, this is what Jesus says. Oh, I have the wrong verses there. I think it's 19 and 20. It says 10 and 20. It's 19 and 20. In Matthew 28, he tell, well, it's important. Let's go there. In Matthew 28, verse 19, and this is Jesus talking. The last words he spoke recorded by Matthew. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What I think Jesus is describing here is a model for discipleship. He doesn't say go and talk to multitudes. He says go and make disciples. And so my heart for this church, my vision for Forerunner House of Prayer is that we would make disciples. We would make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples. Does that mean somewhere down the line we might lose control of some of the groups that are getting started? Probably. My heart says I hope so. That there could be three or four generations out, spiritual children, spiritual disciples that like we hardly even know because we discipled someone who discipled someone who discipled someone. Wouldn't that be great? And to get to talking to somebody and be like, you get to talking like, yeah, I'm being discipled by this guy. And like, wait, wasn't he? Wait a minute. I'm like your spiritual great grandfather. <laughs> that would be amazing. And that's my heart for us, not just as a church, but in our community to have discipleship groups that make disciples that can, can then go and make more disciples. Um, this is exactly what Jesus said. And if we look at 2 Timothy, and uh, let's not go there, um, but I'll tell you, in, in 2 Timothy, this is, this is what he says. He says, what you've received from me, he says, invest that in people of peace. He says, look for people of peace, look, of, look for men of peace, and, and what you've gotten from me, invest it into others. And so some of you, you've been sitting on the pew for a very, 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 very long time. 
It's time for you to take what you have and begin to invest it in other people. And that's one thing that, that I need to push some of you on. This is the moment where I'm pushing some of you to be leaders. We, we, need, we need people. And, and if you don't call me, I'll call you. But we need people to lead some small groups, to lead some discipleship groups. Pastor Drew, I don't know how yet. Do you have a Bible? Can you speak? You can do it. You can do it. What if it's ugly and messy? Then we'll walk with you through it. We will help you. You can do this. Are you going to train us? Sure, sure. But here's, here's the problem I've had over the last year as I've tried to sit with my, I've already got two discipleship groups going and I'm thinking about rolling out others and I'm like, my, my groups are like, well, we're not fully ready yet either. And I'm thinking, so I have to wait and wait for every single person to be ready. I, I, if I do that, we're just going to stagnate and stop. Someone's just going to have to jump up. Can I tell you something? Moment of vulnerability here. I'm not ready to be a pastor. Not ready. Some of you are like, we know. Um. <laughs> We're just being really nice. I'm not ready. You're not ready to be a small group leader, to be a discipleship leader. But you can do this. And we will walk, come up alongside you and we will train you as we can. We will train you. But we need you to be ready now. Some of you, we need you to host some discipleship groups. We could do it here. But my heart, my heart is to get people to show up to these things that would never show up to this church. Never. I've already got a guy I've been working on for a while. He almost came today. Um, he didn't. But you know where he will show up? To my house. He'll do it. He agreed to that already. He, he was iffy about you guys, but he'll come hang out with me. And that's what I, so we need people who are saying, you know what, Pastor Drew, that's me. I, I want to open my home so that people can come in and so that we can disciple some people. Maybe you want to open your home and lead. I'd, I'd rather you not do that. That's tough. But, but we're going to make this happen. And so as I'm saying that, if you're like, you know what, that's me. It's time for me to, to lead a small group, to lead a discipleship group. It's time for me to open up my home so people can come in and, and receive the word of the Lord. Why? Why do they need the word? What did Jesus say? You will know the truth. Let's try it again. <laughs> Let's go back to youth pastor days. When you say something to youth group and they don't say it loud enough, you just say it again. You will know the truth. And how many of you experienced that freedom in your own life? Not just the moment when you got saved, but how many of you have been in that, that drudge of a bad day or a bad week, and all of a sudden you open up the Word, and it's like it just jumps off the page. You're like, oh my goodness, there's so much freedom coming to my heart right now in this moment. You know why that is? Because Hebrews tells us that this Word is alive and active. It will cut you up. This, this is where we find freedom. This right here. And what... What, what's crazy is, is when you go back to that 2 Timothy verse, where he talks about what you've received, it's time to start to invest. He, he ends that little blurb, that little paragraph by saying this, 
The word of God is not bound. Because when, when he's writing this, he's in chains. He's bound. He said, you know what? I'm sitting here. I'm chained and I'm bound. But guess what? The word of God, it is not in chains. It is not bound. It is free and it can set you free. No matter what your situation is. And so with that, I'm like, okay. If the first part of what we do in our weekly services is to know God, what is the point of us having small groups and discipleship groups? And this is what it is for you. It's to get people in the word of God. Why? So they can find freedom. Everyone say find freedom. Find freedom. We want people to find freedom. I would love to sit down sometime and share a burger with you. Well, not share. You can have yours. I can have mine. Why? So we can have a relationship. Why? So I can bring the word of God to you. Why? So you can find freedom. The whole point of our discipleship groups, of our small groups, is to help people find freedom. And so this is what I want my third grader to know, that when I go to a discipleship group, I'm going to find freedom. It might hurt. It might be painful. How many know it's a little painful sometimes as the Lord cuts things away from your life? But at the other end of it, you find freedom. And that's my heart. That's my goal. I wrote it like this. If find freedom is too simple for you, it's like this. It says, we are a fellowship and community of disciples who imitate Christ to make disciples in obedience to Christ so that we may find freedom. Not only find freedom, but, oh my goodness, to give freedom. That's not me. It's not me who's doing it. It's all him so we know god in our church services and we find freedom in our small groups and now we enter the part of the sermon where um i haven't always been the best at and i apologize for that i'm i i'm thankful you guys are gracious as i as I grow and figure out how to do this. Um, but I believe, I'll say this. Um, I believe there's a lot of things here at Forerunner that we're not doing that we should be doing. And I'm not just talking more activity. I don't need more activity. Um, more activity isn't going to bring more people to Christ by itself but it's not wrong for me to kind of get us organized and figure out what's going on sometimes. That's not a bad thing. Um, and we'll get into that. Uh, turn with me. Let's go to Acts. If I was preaching a regular sermon... I'd want to insert a funny story right about here because some of you guys are like starting to get tired. Wake up. Look at the person next to you and say, he's still doing okay. <laughs> when I'm thinking about a conversation I have a lot with people, a lot of students, this is my favorite question for a kid, uh, especially a senior in high school in January, because March, April, May, 
four months from now, they're graduating. And this is a great question for them. What do you want to do when you grow up? 100% of the time, you know what the answer is? I don't know. That's bad news, because guess what, buddy? You've got four months. You've got four months to figure it all out. Like me, I've got it all figured out right now. Um, you've got four months. And, and, but you, oh, whoa. Um, you know, that's, I can't even figure out how to use this thing. Um, but, but it's not just seniors in high school. I've met full-grown adults who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Like, that are still trying to figure out what's the point of all of this. Especially, especially people in the world who've never met Christ. Like, what's the purpose of all this? What's the point of everything that we're doing? Why am I here? And, and I think a lot of times when, when you really get down to the heart of some of the issues that some people have, um, One of their things is, I just don't know what my purpose is. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we just wander from day to day, and we try to be as faithful as we can, but we have no clue what we're supposed to be doing. No direction and no purpose. And, and like, this is Vision Sunday, right? And so what I'm trying to do is give our church purpose and direction. But what about you for your life? right? Without vision, one translation says the people perish. The people cast off restraint. This is, oh, I'm in, oh, I said Acts. I meant Ephesians. I'll just read it to you. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by your own doing, it is the gift of God. And that's really important to remember. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And it's really important that when he was writing this, he, he made this as kind of like the, the intro to what he's about to say next. Because he's saying, you didn't do it yourself. It's not by works. And you can't brag about it because it wasn't you in the first place. Then he follows up with this statement, which can sound opposite, and it's this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wait, so is this about works or not about works? Well, here's the thing. Your works will never save you. Your salvation is a gift from God. But here's some good news. God actually does have something for you to do. And he prepared it beforehand so you could walk in it. It's prepared beforehand. It's something that he gave you before you even realize, like God, listen, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And that's something that some people, maybe in some people in this room, really need to hear. And this is something that we've, we've preached in this church uh, before. Um, and what we see in Ephesians, it says, basically, it's, it's this whole idea of out of identity, out of who God says I am, we can act out in faith. So we see this all the time in scripture, that God will first declare who you are and then expect you to act out of faith by who he said you were. He did it to Abraham. You're the father of many nations. Act like it. 
I ain't got no kids. He did it with Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had not yet done one miracle. And this is what God said. This is my son. I'm declaring your identity. I'm pleased in you. God declares your identity. And then out of that we act. And we see this even for us that time and time again in scripture. Like he says that you're, you're a royal nation. You're, you're, a, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then out of that, why? To, to minister the gospel. Over and over and over again, we see it. God's going to tell you who you are and then expect you to act like it. And guess what? Ephesians, earlier in chapter 1, it tells us that we are adopted as sons and daughters. I'm a son of the king. And he is, what I see here in Ephesians chapter 2, is that he has prepared works for me beforehand, for me to walk in them. Now it's my choice whether I'm going to walk in the identity God's given me or not. And I think this is so crucial for us as a church, is in our discipleship groups, in our Sunday morning service, in every area, every arena, one of our biggest calls is to help people realize who they are in Christ. Let me call out your identity, who God says you really are. And if you could truly believe who God says you are, then you'll start living differently. You'll start walking differently, and you'll find purpose for your life. And I think for me, I can't speak for you guys, but for me personally, when I'm really, really struggling, like, like emotionally or with sin or whatever else is going on in my life, a big part of that is I've forgotten who I was. Right? I don't really believe it anymore. Like, on that day, I'm like, well, they said this about me, and it just wrecks me. Because now I'm believing the word of someone else over what the word of God says about who I am. I think it's, it's wild. I was thinking about this um, last night. Um, I was standing in the kitchen and it just occurred to me is that sometimes people will say things about us and, and I know I've talked about this before but you know those imaginary arguments we have in our head with people. And it's like what we've done is we've created this fake copy of that person and put them in our head. Like it's a, it's, it's a false version of them because it's not really them. They're not really there. And we're having this argument with this false person that doesn't exist. Yeah, but they really would say that. Yeah, but it still really isn't them. And that's so destructive. And if it's another believer in Christ, how, how much better then would it be to just, instead of keep having that conversation with that false person, just to go to that person and be like, look, here's the deal. And to have that conversation in grace. Because part of that is not just for us to realize who we are in Christ and that we're created in the image of God, but to see the identity of the other person too. If I can truly see you and your identity, then I will understand your purpose more. And this is an area where I really, really would love our church to invest a little more time and effort is to really begin to call people's identity out, to really begin to tell people, no, 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 
Stop saying that about yourself. This is really who you are. And, and some of you need to do that for you. Not nah, Drew, stop saying that about yourself. Let me tell you who you really are. And then you can walk into your job place, walk into the living room with your family with a little more purpose, knowing, you know what? I do have a purpose. I do have something that God has called me to. I'm not, I'm not just someone who's supposed to go to work, come home, make dinner, watch Netflix, go to bed. There's more. There's more. There's more. And so this is something that, that as a church, I would like all of us together. And, and you can start this the moment I say amen at the end of this service. You can begin to declare identity to each other. We don't have to wait or be trained on it. You know the word. You know who that person is next to you. You know who you are. In fact, you can start right now. You know what? You know who I am? You know who I am? I am. There's that song. I am who God says I am. And this is, this is specific because the one thing this church has is a calling to the prophetic. And I know some of you are like, that's weird and scary and strange. Ah, it's not as weird and scary and strange as you say. When you declare to someone their identity in Christ Jesus, it, that's prophetic. It lines up with the word of God. You're, man, that's what, why Paul said, I, man, I wish you would all prophesy. You guys are all getting bent out of shape because you're speaking in tongues and whatever. I'd, I want you all to prophesy. You know, prophecy is better, he says. I don't know how to prophesy. Some of you have done it. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize. You wouldn't call it that. I just, I just felt like the Lord was telling me to tell them something biblical. Anyway, well, that's a whole other teaching for another time. We're helping people discover who they are. I wrote it like this. Through the word of God, through relationships, and through revelation, we discern the call of God for ourselves and others' lives. That's, that's a wordy way of saying it. Here's the simple version. Discover purpose. I want people to discover their purpose. When you're in your small group, your discipleship group, help them discover your purpose. And, and, and we're going to start some things in this church, some things we should have been already doing. Some of you, there's a place for you to serve in this church. And we want you to help. We want to help you discover your purpose to serve in this church. Um, how many know it's important to serve? Did Jesus serve? Here, here's what I think is crazy. Like, okay. So, like, uh, let me rewind to last January. Last January, my wife and I took a road trip down to Louisiana uh, so I could run a half marathon. Th that's hard to do, to run a half marathon. Um, and my wife's so awesome because the whole way down there, yeah. <laughs> she said preach. Um, <laughs> um, the whole way down there, she's like, hey, do you need anything? she knows the next day I'm about to do something really hard, right? I'm like, yeah, and then that night, you want to get some food, and like, what do you need, and, and just like, just taking care of all my little needs so that the next day when I get on the starting line, like, I can go, and I can kill myself as best as possible, because she knows what I'm about to do is be really hard. Here's what blows my mind. Here's Jesus. He's about to die on the cross, 
way harder than running a half marathon. He is going to his death. What does he do? He meets the needs of everyone else around him. Exact opposite of Drew Killingsworth. He serves the people around him. He serves the people around him. And that, that blows my mind. I, I, I know that Jesus came to serve. I know he did. But sometimes I forget that. I forget something I know. And I believe, guys, not just in this church, but in this community, we want to be servants. We want to, we want to serve. And I think that's part of discovering our purpose. And here's, here's the last thing. Here's the fourth and final thing in, in closing, which means nothing. It means I've got about 20 more minutes to go. This is, I was just kidding. <laughs> um, th- this is, oh, let's go to, um, let's go to Acts. Let's just do it. Let's go to Acts. Yeah. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and this last point is almost encompassing of everything we've already talked about and more. Um, we're called to be servants, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. And this is a, a topic we'll talk more on at a later time. But James 1.22, it tells us this. Don't be only hearers of the word, but also be doers. I think it's really easy to come in here and hear the word. A lot harder to do it. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve. Galatians 5.13, you can write this down. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. We've talked about freedom, haven't we? Already tonight, that the word brings freedom. It says, we were called to freedom. It says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, do this, serve one another. So you've experienced the word. You've been set free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now I am free. What do I do now? And what the word tells us is if you've been discipled, if you've experienced that freedom, if you know Christ, you've truly been, you find freedom, then your next step then is to serve one another. And this church in particular is called to serve the next generation. There's, there's been several prophetic words over this church and and we'll we'll get more into those um on another sunday but one of those is is our ministry to young people because can i tell you can i tell you ministering to kids you don't get a whole lot back like if i if we have listen let's just be vulnerable for a second if we have a awesome rocking sunday morning service we get a ton of people in here tithes and offering Yay! But if we pour out our heart 
to children and kids, I mean, just cut a hole in your pocket and dump money in it. They tear up the facility. They cost money. Like, there's no money in it. Let's do it. <laughs> to serve someone, but not just to serve them, but to train them up. To show them the love of Christ. To be selfless. And I think that's something that from, from the beginning of this church till now that we've been strong in is deciding that we're going to minister to young people no matter what. And, and we know how to do it. And sometimes we grow 150, 200 kids. And then sometimes we shrink down to 30. And my sister, she gets frustrated about this. I'm like, no, no, no. That's what Jesus did, right? He's like, all right, I'm going to preach. Multitudes come. All right, eat my flesh, drink my blood. See ya. And that's what happens. We'll grow our, our ministries in various ways. And then we're like, all right, guys, it's time for us to start pushing the word of the Lord. Like, we really want you to get the word. And some of them are like, ah, it's not for me. And they walk away. But they've heard the word of the Lord. It's something my sister and I were talking about this week. She was concerned about a certain student who says, I'm done. I'm like, have you, have you preached the word? Yes. Do you know they've heard the gospel? Yes. Then it's perfectly fine for your heart to break for them. Absolutely. But I want you to know you've, you've done the right thing. Well, I'm going to keep pursuing them anyway. Well, good. Because <laughs> some people need that. I wasn't telling her to be done with the person, but she was like, no, I, I, don't, I just don't think we're done. Okay, then don't be done. But we're, we've been called to minister to young people, and we're going to continue to do that. But we're not just serving the next generation. We're, we're, listen, look around the room. Look around the room. I don't know if you've looked around the room yet. One thing is I really like you guys to know each other. I don't know if you've noticed, but at the beginning of service, we spend an extra amount of time saying hello to each other. I probably drive some of you nuts. But when I hear feedback from other people at our churches, what drives them nuts is the, the cursory, like, turn and shake the hand of the person next to me, you know. We, we, you know how it goes. We all do it, right? You shake a couple hands and you're done. Man, some of you guys never see each other. You don't know each other. I want you to know each other. Now, if you guys all get really, some of you, that long five, ten minute greeting time drives you nuts. If all of you get involved in small groups, really get to know each other, we'll cut it out. Because <laughs> then I know you guys know each other. But until then, I want you to be able, like, I'm going to give you time to walk across the room, look someone in the eye and say, how are you doing? It, it, it brings me joy in my heart when I walk past a couple of people and they're chitting chat, they're chit-chatting about whatever, like their kids or some recipe or whatever. That's in my mind, that means these two people know each other. And I like that. And so that kind of connection is, is important. But, but look, look again at each other. We're not just here to serve kids. We're here to serve each other. Not just, not just me trying to serve you, but you serving you, serving you. Like, we're here to serve one another. Is that biblical? Is that Christ's example? 
right? This is, this is what Jesus said. This is how they'll know that you're my disciples. Why? You, yeah, your love for each other. Your love for each other. And so for us to serve one another. And so something that's important to me is for us to serve our church here, to serve each other here, but then also serve our community, to be servants of our community and help them out. Some of you know that the Hispanic church, they meet in this, in this place. And, and that's, it's not easy to have two churches meet in one facility. There's problems with it. But that's, that's this church serving that congregation. I'm really excited about tonight when our churches will come together for that joint bilingual service. It's going to be really cool. You, you should come. Because it's us, instead of trying to be separate, we're trying to be together. And so I, I, and I'm not going to get into the details of this right now because it's not the time and place. This isn't, isn't it the place for me to say, like, I want all of you guys to start getting involved in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. No, but what I'm, I will say this is in, in the next few days, we're going to start talking about different ministries that we need to roll out here at the church. And some of you are going to say, you know what? That's a ministry that I could be in because it would serve this church. Or that's a ministry I want to be in because it would serve this community. And as we talk about it, I, I want you to have the heart of Christ. I want you to abide in the word, uh, spend some time looking at the servanthood of Christ, and then begin to think, how, how can we serve more? Because let's be honest, if all we do, if all we do as a congregation is show up here on Sunday, sit and listen to a message, and then go home, we have served no one. no one we haven't served each other and i don't even know if we could call each other a community of christ it's just selfish you know how i know i just spent the last two or three weeks doing it i want to go to church why because i can just sit and no one will bother me i can just sit and get no one's going to ask me to help with anything and that's why i want to go to church it was selfish But I look around this room, some of you I know well, some of you I've just met. But can I tell you, as Forerunner House of Prayer, I want us to be a congregation that serves each other with the love of Christ. To what extent? Well, example of Jesus, till it kills us. I know that's not really good way to sell our new ministries that we're trying to start. Come help us, we'll kill you. <laughs> but it's not about me. And so that's, this is my last part is, 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 you know, if we find purpose, which was the last thing, if we discover our purpose, then part of that purpose then is making a difference. And, and can I say it like this? Can I say this, that we are called as a church to establish the kingdom of God and all of our spheres of influence as we are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're called to establish the kingdom of God. Where I go, I'm supposed to bring the kingdom of God with me. And that's going to make a difference in someone's life. That's going to bring freedom to someone's life as I speak the truth of the word of God. 
And so what I have is these four things. And if you don't like the four simple versions, I'll let you use the four complicated versions. To know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. Those four things. And, and can I tell you, my dad and I were talking about this. I was like, Dad, I hesitate making it that simple because then it's some, like some sort of mission statement. How many have ever worked at a place that had like a mission statement or something and they told it to you and like, all right, that's what it is. And then what happens? You never hear about it again. You know, like, wait, are we supposed to? No, no, no. This isn't that. Can I say this is, this is who we are. This guides what we do. And if we put you in a leadership position, the question is going to be is, is whatever leadership area you're in is, okay, does it fit the vision of what we're doing? This isn't like a one Sunday a year thing that I get up and say, okay, we're going to know God and we're going to find freedom. We're going to discover purpose. We're going to make a difference. And we all go, yay. And then that's it. No, 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 no. We're going to do this. We are going to know God. My heart is if you're coming here Wednesday night for youth service or when you come back next Sunday, I want you to come with the expectation that you're going to see the Father. That you're going to get closer to Him than, than you were than when you walked in that door. And that when we go to small groups, that the Word of God will be released. And that your heart will be unlocked because of the Word of God and that you will find true freedom like you've never experienced before. And as we dig into the word of God, that you will discover the purpose and plan of God for your life, that you can walk in it because he's called you to something. It's time to walk in that thing that he's called you to do and that we can begin to make a difference in our church and our community by being servants to the next generation and to be servants of one another and to be servants to these people that are our neighbors and our friends, our sons and our daughters. But here's the reality. The purpose of all of it goes back to the thing I started with so that we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. On Sunday morning, in discipleship groups, as we're discovering our purpose, as we're, as we're making a difference in our community, as, listen, God's called me into the school district right now. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God and tell the gospel of Christ as much as I can in that area. Where has God called you to be? And are you proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to people around you? Because this is what God has called us to do. It's the thing of first importance. First importance. Uh, Robert, will you come? I should have called you up a while ago. Sorry. I want to do something to end this today. Because um, I think it's important. I want us to take a moment to remember the thing of first importance. And so, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to end by taking communion together. And you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. That's not what this communion's about. Like, it's not about this. Why did Jesus say that we take communion? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me. 
And I think if we're talking about what Jesus did and remembering what he did, that communion is a way that Jesus commanded us to do. And so if you're a brother and sister in Christ, whether you call this your church home or not, we want you to take communion with us. Not so you can say, I'm part of this. No, so you can say, here's the second part. For us to remember that we're not the only show in town. That we're part of the bigger body of Christ. That this morning, there might be other congregations, not just in our town, but around the world, who are taking communion. And say, you know what, we're part of something bigger than us. We're part of the body of Christ. Even if you say, Pastor Drew, I disagree with your vision wholeheartedly. I still want you to take communion with us. Because it's not about my message. It's not about the sermon. It's about remembering. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church. 